Hello and welcome to the Kia Coachman Basketball Podcast, where today I'm joined by a very great guest, Rohan. What's up, man? What's up, Kia? Thanks for having me on. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Really happy to talk some basketball with you. Um, definitely enjoyed listening to prior episodes of the podcast and seeing um some of our both of our friends be on different episodes and a lot of um other great guest hosts, really cool speakers, um, with good platforms and great content themselves that have also made guest appearances. So I'm just overall really stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you, man. And uh, just one second before we get into, honestly, a pretty fun topic for today's episode. I first want to say the Dispatch, the company that runs this podcast that Rohan and I both, um, well, I don't want to say work at, but are a part of now has a discord um server so listeners join it please <laughs> if you would like any basketball or really any sports discussion it's a good community you can find the link to that in the description of this podcast or on the pin tweet on the dispatch twitter and that's the dispatch spelled with a y so d y s p a t c h so with that being said, we have a pretty good topic for today's episode. Me and Rohan will be going through the top three offensive players of all time at each position. And then we'll also have honorable mentions too. So my list is more like 25 players instead of 15, but or maybe even more than that. But, you know, we'll try to narrow it down. And neither one of us knows each other's lists. So... Yeah, anything you want to say, Rohan? Yeah, kind of bent the rules a little bit myself as well. Um, definitely have the 15 players down, but there are other players that, across some of these positions who should be considered. So really happy to see where we all like uh, could agree, might differ slightly, and just talk about like our thought process behind all of this. Yeah. So with that said, let's get right into it. We can start with the point guards, but first I want to ask, did you have these lists ordered or did you just pick three players? So I do have somewhat of a general order. When I think of um, ranking, because there's so many great offensive players all for various reasons throughout this game's fine history. Um, there, It really is like when you reach like a certain level, hard to definitively say, yes, I'm going to take this one player over player B just because there's many different ways to skin the cat and really interpret it or break it down. But I think there are general tiers or orders I would have most of these players within. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. So, yeah, I didn't, like, hard order it. But I feel like, honestly, I could probably put all five of these positions in order for the most part. So, yeah, let's get started. Who did you have for your three-point guards? And, you know, if it's in any loose order, what would that order be? Awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. And th the point guard position is where I feel like, assuming that the logo Jerry West is going to be counted as a shooting guard, they're really. Yeah, I did that too. They're really four guys I think distinguish themselves here. One who's slightly a little bit below. We'll, we'll have to see if you mention him in this um, all time great elite group. But I think mine would be going from top to bottom definitely with room for interpretation and perhaps change, but I would go with Magic Johnson, 
Magic Man himself, absolutely love the playmaking, the volume creation, how he engined one of the most iconic set of teams and offenses of all time. After that, I would have to say Stephen Curry. Insanely talented player, changed the game. Very um, no, much known for his perimeter talent, three-point shooting. This brings a lot of other cool stuff to the table. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to get into that. And then third and fourth, there are two point guards who I feel are pretty similar, one being a better scorer than the other. But I would go with Steve Nash. Um, it's similar to Magic, but not quite. He also led a group of um, iconic teams with the seven seconds or less Suns in like the mid-2000s era, one that is far more defensively slanted than some of the basketball we see in the modern day. And then I would go with Oscar Robertson. I think simply how ahead of his time he was, how efficient his scoring was, being able to lead some of the best offenses in Cincinnati in the 60s, and just the overall talent and box profile of him feels like I would have to give him a mention in this group. Yeah, we feel really similarly about this. To me, there's a pretty clear top two in Magic Johnson and Stephen Curry. Everyone knows about these guys. We can get into maybe things we think are like overlooked with them, but that's a pretty clear top two. Um, I had Nash at third tentatively, but there were two guys I think specifically that I could see as just about like on the same level, maybe even higher potentially, I'm not sure. And those were Oscar Robertson, like you said. And to me, I think Luka Doncic is also on that level already. I don't know how hot of a take that is, but I feel pretty good about having him in this company. That is a spicy take, but as one who very much enjoys watching Luca play, enjoys the skill set, what he brings to the table, I'm here for it. And I don't have him on that level quite yet. Happy to talk about why in a little bit, but I definitely think the sky is the limit when it comes to how what his ceiling could be offensively. And for what it's worth, I think when you're looking at a specific young age, when it comes to scoring and playmaking, I think Luca and Oscar clearly in NBA history stand out at the, as the cream of the crop. I'm sure we can't mention this list without talking about LeBron James like as we get into it, but um, he was definitely up there as a younger player. Some of the numbers he was putting up, although there were a little bit of holes and flaws in his game, but it's clearly Luca and Oscar when we're thinking about young offensive players. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I feel like I should have said this before. I'm not thinking in terms of like career, longevity, none of that. I just think as an offensive player, you know, at their best, which is why I feel fine with having Luca this high because I think he's already at that level of player. And then after those five other guys that I think just deserve a shout, we don't have to talk about them too much, but I had Isaiah Thomas, Chris Paul, and Damian Lillard just, just to mention. Yeah, no, I think when we're looking at where Luca stands amidst all of this, I don't think I don't think Chris Paul is that far behind. I think he's honestly quite close. There's are a lot of narratives around his career arc, but I think when you look all the way back to 2008, 2009, it's really crazy because this was when I first started watching basketball all the way back in like mid earlier elementary school. Now I'm almost graduating college. It's crazy to think that <laughs> He was even like this good, a very talented, high IQ playmaker, being able to get the guys around him going and better 
along with that mid-range game, the sort of ballerina feel to playing basketball that he's had for so long. Yeah. Yeah, definitely one of the most timeless players ever. And I think I would say he's on the same level as the guys that we named, Nash, Luca, Oscar. I would just have probably slightly below, but I could, like if you said you had Chris Paul above Luca, or, you know, I'd not put up an argument at all. For sure. I think circling back a little bit, you mentioned the great point about how the clear top two within this position would be Magic Johnson and Stephen Curry. I definitely mm-hmm. feel like they are on the highest tier, not just within the point guard position, but across all positions looking all time. I think it's really a matter of preference and what you value at that point because Curry does a lot of his damage off the ball. The traction he generates from the perimeter really creates better quality shots for his teammates. It's been proven that like um, across some of the years with or without Kevin Durant, all of the Golden State Warriors teammates' efficiencies were decently better with Stephen Curry up on the floor. A lot of impact metrics having him as like the best, if not the second best behind LeBron again in um, offensive impact across since the data ball era really has taken off. So you really can't go wrong with him. But the way I see basketball and um, evaluate offense based off how well you impact the team around you and ultimately what you can do, how many ways this is possible, I just simply think how much damage Magic was able to do on the ball during the Showtime Lakers days. Um, You see other players like Michael Cooper, Worthy, Kareem, so many other players that he was able to make better um, through his like high leverage passing. He was extremely reckless, but in a good way. Not reckless in the sense of being like extra, how to say it, I don't know how to say it, extra like careless, um, but he was very much set on some exploiting some of these high risk, high reward passes. And because of the velocity, as well as like the pre- precision he had in some of them, that definitely established him as one of the best passes of all time. And in my opinion, like the clear greatest playmaker ever. So mm-hmm. that really gives him the nod for me. But it's a great discussion either way. I actually feel pretty much the same exact way. I think the best phrase to describe Magic's playmaking compared to really like all of the other great playmakers, Chris Paul, etc., is high risk, high reward because he just went for it every time. But it almost wasn't that much of a risk with him because he could just like he found the most ridiculous openings in the defenses and he almost always converted on them you know yeah it it was stuff that for anyone else it would have been extremely risky but for him he was like hitting them pretty regularly and i agree i think he's by far the best playmaker of all time yeah, sorry to Steve Nash, whoever else. I I don't see much of an argument. Um, I think he's underrated as a scorer because he usually didn't look to score that much, but he was actually very efficient. He had some big scoring games and big moments in the playoffs. Really just a pretty complete player. Towards the end of his career, he was like showing better percentages as a jump shooter, which... I think he always kind of had in him, just didn't do it that much. The He didn't even get that many turnovers for how, like, how much he had the ball in his hands, how much he passed it, 
and the types of passes he made, he still didn't average a lot of turnovers. So, yeah, it's just some honestly pretty incredible stuff. I think you could also take Curry. I'm not going to go into him in depth as much because, you know, he's more modern. More people know the ins and outs of Curry's game. But, yeah, I think you could go either way, but I would probably lean Magic myself. Yeah, I'm very glad you brought up the point of Magic as a scorer just because, I mean, there is a lot of access to his career, whether it's watching old games, although some of the, unfortunately, some of the larger channels are being, having their content be taken down on YouTube. And there is like a lot of information on his prime, but it's actually very underrated that through when his offense really took off towards the tail end of his career before he had the tragedy in 1991 and was forced to retire, he was hitting over 20 points in a lot of seasons. And he was doing this on like very, very good efficiency, if I'm not mistaken. There were yeah. years where I believe he was around plus seven, plus eight over league average and it was 1990 1991 after the Kareem after Kareem was well into retirement where Magic was still able to have the playmaking he had like at his um best playmaking season which in my opinion is 1987 that iconic Lakers team and he also added the outside shot and became more of a threat in that regard too and that really boded well for the 90 Lakers um, in my opinion overachieving winning 60 games and the 91 Lakers being able to make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, he was extremely efficient. You can argue he was honestly peaking as an offensive player until he had to leave the league. So, yeah, to me, you can make an argument he's the best offensive player ever, period. But that's not for this podcast. That's too much. Yeah. So, <laughs> are you ready to move on to shooting guards? Absolutely. Okay, so to me, this is another one where there's a pretty clear top two. And then three and four, you can probably go in a couple different ways. I have Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. And then at three, I went with James Harden. But I think directly after him is like Dwayne Wade, Jerry West. And then I had Tracy McGrady and Alan Iverson as other honorable mentions. I think that's a great way to look at it. Personally, I definitely think there is like um, a way to look at this within different tiers and a pretty clear-cut hierarchy. <clears throat> I would go with Michael Jordan for sure at the first, at the top dog position. Just yeah. thinking about like um, all of his skills really coming together at the right time towards the end of the 80s, the early 90s, when he really hit that new level to get the Chicago Bulls over the hump in the playoffs. Um, definitely his volume scoring. That's the very first thing that comes to mind. Since he could score from so many places within the three-point arc, like every spot from the mid-range, the low post, could play back to the basket. And he was extremely athletic at the time, so that really helped with his guard finishing. He has some of the, within that span, some of the most impressive playoff scoring runs of all time. I think maybe the best across the entire span, putting up like around 35 points on like plus six, plus seven efficiency, hovering around that on a consistent basis. And I think in that span, I'm not sure how it looks towards like the rest of his career, more so with him being having that scoring mindset, but he was a very underrated playmaker at his apex too. So would go with Jordan for my one. And I think it's a pretty good discussion to be had about who could be the second best offensively. 
I'm really between Kobe Bryant and Jerry West here. I really think when looking at Kobe, he probably is associated more of just having that like scorer's mindset than people do with Jordan, just because of um, how people look at Jordan versus Kobe defensively. But I do think Kobe was very underrated as a playmaker, and he was pretty good moving off the ball in his own right. I think with his scoring, he is, for my two cents, is the best tough shot maker and has some of the best inelasticity with his scoring in league history. But I think I would say Jerry West is a scorer, considering he could hit some efficiency marks that Kobe didn't quite reach. And I think there were times where Kobe's scoring and playmaking, I believe, did peak at the same years. But Jerry West's scoring and playmaking peaked in like different times where West was far more pass first when the Lakers signed Chamberlain and he aged and he was like closer towards his retirement. But throughout his 60s, he had some of the best scoring runs of all time at face value. And when you're considering that he's playing the best defensive dynasty of all time and Bill Russell's Boston Celtics, that really stands out to me as well. But case closed, two Lakers legends two of the best shooting guards and most fun players to watch of all time. You really can't go wrong with either. But then after that, in not too far of a fourth, I would go with James Harden. And then I would have McGrady as an honorable mention. Yeah, I like the Jerry West point. He's actually one of my favorite players ever, just because when you think of ahead of their time in NBA history, I feel like he's possibly the first person that comes to mind. I guess I had him lower kind of just because, like, you know, the era and, yeah. But <laughs> but um, he definitely has an argument as just as being a very underrated player who is as good as people usually think of in the top 10, et cetera, like of all time. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even really know what to say about him. Amazing jump shooter really underrated athleticism like he was incredible at getting to the basket and finishing out the basket yeah he had a pull-up shot that was so smooth it almost feels like like that shouldn't have been a thing in the time he played in so yeah for me I just had him lower because it's hard to compare time so I just lean more towards modern era but very arguably just as good as the other guys yeah just thought of two things myself Oh, I noticed just um, from looking at Twitter, um, many other online forums, and just like the way more of a modern generation's basketball, they view um, Cousy to less, Bob Cousy to less of an extent, and Jerry West as the poster boys for a completely different dribbling rule. What a lot of people don't know is that back then, before like more modern and like new dribbling rules were invented, players had to dribble with the palm on top of the basketball. So I honestly... Yeah that being able to do that requires a lot more like um, mental um, it requires a lot more consciousness to be able to see how your hand is moving with it. Keep your eyes down and making sure you're not going to be called for a travel and turning the ball over. So I think that's another thing that's just very underregarded, swept under the table when looking at Jerry West's career and what he was able to do skill set wise. And I just realized that how could I, for, how could I forget to mention uh Dwayne Wade is um, an honorable mention in this list. There's, mm-hmm. I definitely feel like he deserves a shout. It just didn't cross my mind at the moment. But you look at his some of his best seasons, like the 2006 playoff run, absolutely phenomenal. He 
was really good at slicing the pick and roll, like an NFL running back, being able to find the gap perfectly, accelerate, and then attack the basket head on. I think some of his later seasons in Miami before they signed Bosch and LeBron and all three of them teamed up, Wade was having some of the highest offensive responsibility seasons, and he was really dragging a heat cast that emphasized defense more out of the gutter and making them a viable team offensively. Very underrated playmaker himself, and there is a reason they call him Flash at the end of the day. Yeah, I feel the same way about all of that. He was one of my top honorable mentions. And just going back to the Jerry West thing really quickly, and then we can wrap this up. I like that you mentioned the the ball handling rules. That's what I was referring to when I said his pull-up jumper seemed almost too smooth. Because I actually don't even know how it's possible to have a great pull-up jumper with the way that they had to dribble back then. But he did. And that's why we say he's ahead of his time. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to small forwards. This is actually the one that was by far the easiest for me to come up with a top three. I feel like there were three guys that stand pretty far above the rest. And then a tier two of like 10 different players you can look at. But I had LeBron James, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant. And then after that, like on a separate level, there's guys like Dr. J, Kawhi Leonard, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, even like Carmelo Anthony. I mean, there's so many guys. But yeah, I feel pretty strong about LeBron James, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant, top three. Yeah, as for my top three, I firmly agree with you. But I think there is about an um, equidistant gap supporting or between the three of them, where I think LeBron at his absolute best offensively. It's actually really interesting because of how good for how long LeBron has been. You mentioned CP3 being a timeless player. LeBron really encapsulates this as well. It's really hard to even think, and it's like a, a definitely a mind-turning um, question, even asking, like, when was LeBron best at his, at his best offensively? Because there are those end-of-first-day um, Cleveland seasons, 0-9-10, where he's having some of the best impact, if not the best this game has seen. Um, taking a Cavs cast to 126 total wins, just with his playmaking, um, relentless attacking the rim and using that to drive his scoring. So, and there's so much more to go off of, like Miami, when he really mastered the art of scoring efficiency before he went back to his second stint in Cleveland. And you look, he had a little bit of a decline in like 2015 with some injuries, 2016 really revisioning um, his dominance back, thinking about it. And then 2017, 18, he had that perfect combination of like being able to score, exploit in like all-time great spacing and being able to manipulate the defense and really start becoming LeBron the playmaker that we know and see today. So um, if looking at his apex, I would have to go with the tail end of Cleveland second stint, 2017-18. But regardless, I think he would take my spot for number one. And then number two, Larry Bird for me, just like you. I really think Bird encapsulates what it is to be like a Swiss army knife, jack of all trades and offense very underrated floor spacer and shooter for his era and even on an all-time scale could play out of the post and play back to the basket similar to the Kobe's and MJ's that we all know and love. I think he his aggression did hold him back a little bit, but his passing he make his probably if you looked at it in a vacuum, the best passing highlight reel of all time, 
some of the rebounding he was able to provide. And he was still like, I think he set the bar for what it is to be an all-time great playmaking forward. I think LeBron did surpass that, but Bird is another player who truly was ahead of his time and sort of a pioneer. So would feel strongly on him being second. And as for Kevin Durant, um, clearly third here. I think he's always been known as um, a great scorer. He's led the league in it four times, even before he became an MVP, before he like broke out. And I think since then, he the Golden State tenure, and even now in Brooklyn, he's improved his overall game to the point where he's becoming much better as a manipulator, decision maker, and passer. And he still has, like, I think out of um, all players in NBA history, considering like how efficient you are, and just watching it on film, one of the best mid-range games I've ever seen. Not to mention being like a very above-average three-point shooter. So I think you have to put Kevin Durant and give him his respect on these lists. But then after that, would agree with you completely in having Julius Irving, whom I feel his ABA career is very undermentioned, and then Kawhi Leonard, who I think his offensive progression coming from a, a quintessential, if not the best ever, three and D player of all time into like um, a legitimate offensive superstar. Just impressive progression from him too. Yeah, Kawhi definitely had, I would honestly say the greatest offensive overhaul I've probably ever seen. Like even by the end of San Antonio, when he was one of the best scorers in the league, he was still kind of limited outside of that. And now he's just, like a do-it-all on offense, can play with and without the ball, a pretty great playmaker for a forward, never makes bad decisions, an elite score. But on the top three guys, there's really nothing I can add on LeBron. I mean, there's not much to add on any of them. I kind of agree with everything you said. The only thing I will say is, and this isn't contradicting anything you said, but just something I want to add, Larry Bird, I feel like, is just kind of like the definition of a complete offensive player. There's absolutely nothing you'd want on a basketball, like in a basketball player offensively that he didn't have. He was a great shooter. He could handle the ball for his size. One of the best passers ever. Amazing scorer. Great offensive rebounder. Always made the right decisions. Could play with and without the ball. Just really did it all. So... Yeah, yeah. Could agree more. And for anyone who hasn't looked into it, I just personally recommend going on YouTube and looking up like a Larry Bird highlight reel, highlight compilation, because it might be one of the most fun you'll ever see across like all of NBA history. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So now we can move on to the power forwards. I think this is actually the most interesting one because most of the players we think of as the greatest power forwards of all time. I feel like are more defensively oriented. I agree. And it actually, I ended up having a top three here that might seem just one like you compare to who the best power forwards ever are. This top three offensively doesn't match up at all with overall. But I actually want you to go first on this because I'm interested to see how similar we are. Yeah, because when looking at like some of the best power forwards of all time, and like who was the best at their very best, a lot of these guys do have equal value looking at offense and defense where they're some of the best anchors 
and some of the best rim protectors to ever play this sport. So mine also would probably look a little bit different than like a traditional power forward list. But I think there is a pretty clear top three here. And in that regard, I would have to go with Dirk Nowitzki as my one. Charles Barkley in a not too far behind second. And then as for my third, I would have to go with Carl Malone here. I had the same three. Well, um, agree <laughs> on that. I think skinning the cat when looking at forwards was a little bit easier than guards, just because when looking at like the best to ever do it offensively, the distribution of guards is innately going to be a lot more. Is there's there's going to be a lot more, just like how looking vice versa on defense, it's going to be heavily, if not fully, slanted towards bigs. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But happy to talk a little bit more on like the three players. I think with Dirk Nowitzki, there are people who do, and I think in like more analytical like um, circles who have really like broken down the film, seen Dirk play, and rewatched him. But generally speaking, I don't think Dirk gets enough credit as being an all-time great scorer. Hit some of the tough shots in that mid-range game that he brought year over year was just incredible and you definitely saw it on display in the 2009 to 2011 playoffs he was hitting some very ridiculous numbers like around plus 10 efficiency scoring 30 points a game and he was playing against elite defenses too i think there's one game in particular that very much stands out um in the 2011 western conference finals against the oklahoma city thunder he broke the ben record for 24 free throws made out of all 24 in a playoff game, finishing with 48 points. And I think just having that under his belt, at his apex, he was legitimately a scoring machine that you really couldn't like scheme for just because he could shoot over you. I guess he did struggle with like more athletic and smaller wings at times, but nonetheless, a phenomenal talent. Can't take anything away from that. One other component I will add is that since Dirk played the power forward in an era before spacing really took off and teams really thought of the concept, Dirk being able to stretch the floor at that power forward position, it opened up so much for some of the Mavericks teammates, particularly those who did their damage more so close to the basket a lot. And that led to the Dallas having some of the best offenses in um, league history um, throughout the course of the 2000s. Just having that innovative approach as an organization Definitely makes sense given someone as Mark Cuban as a leader. But yeah, lots of great stuff to talk about with um, Dirk Nowitzki and the legacy he drove. But for my second, Charles Barkley, I also do think he's an underrated scorer considering he's not one with his scoring who's recognized as the guy who can make jumpers all over your best defender, who's going to be hitting like very high leverage and rememberable three-point shots. But he, in transition... And near the basket, a very talented finisher can play aggressive and over his size of like six foot six attacking the basket. And some of the scoring numbers he was able to put is a Philadelphia 76er and his 93 season with the Phoenix Suns. Um, they're all great offensive years. You can't go wrong with anything. And as for Carl Malone, um, I think when you're looking at regular season, he really could have an argument right by them. I think he's an underrated passer all in all. A lot know him for his um, being a post technician, having a very fundamental play around that area. And he is number three in like the all-time like scoring list. Um, so he's 
clearly has that score and longevity component down. I think Malone with his like shot selection and being very predicated and like sort of a perfectionist in the post that did hurt his translation into the playoffs a little bit. So that is one gripe I have with Malone, but overall he still is a very good offensive player, especially for the position. Yeah, I feel very similarly. I do think Malone is a step below the other two. One of the only things though that I'll defer from you on is I do think in my opinion, Charles Barkley is slightly better than Dirk, though it's something that I've like gone back and forth on a lot in my head because they're very close. Um, but I think I think I choose Barkley because, well, first of all, I think he's honestly maybe the most underrated offensive player ever, and I just think he's he was such a well. I think the deciding factor that makes me take him over Dirk is. I think Barkley is one of the best bigs ever at like handling the ball and creating his own offense from the perimeter. And that's kind of unfair to, to compare because he wasn't actually really a big Charles Barkley was like six, six maximum. So like, obviously he has an advantage as a ball handler and stuff, but the thing is, even though he was very short for the position he was playing, especially in the time he played, he's still one of the most prolific inside scorers ever. He's an incredible finisher. He could post up, face up, amazing offensive rebounder. He could take you off the dribble. He could play bully ball inside. The only gripes I have with him are he kind of had the Russell Westbrook effect where he does so much like so, so much on offense with the ball, everything that there's also a lot of bad that comes with it. A lot of turnovers, a lot of bad decisions, bad shots, too many three-pointers. But I mean, I think he's arguably the greatest scoring threat in transition ever. I think he can carry a half-court offense with his amazing scoring. He's a pretty good playmaker too. Again, he made some bad decisions, but he was very capable of finding open guys and yeah, I think it'd go either way, but personally, I'd probably slightly lean Barkley over Dirk. Yeah, no, and uh, I think similar to Curry and Magic, it really depends on what you value and like how you analyze and look into the, the best and the most impactful offensive traits. And I think with Barkley, you made a lot of great points. It really could go either way. And I'm glad you mentioned his finishing because when people traditionally look at scoring, it's often like what I mentioned earlier in the sense of making tough shots over defenders, utilizing the mid-range and your versatility from many spots across the floor. But I think being able to get to the rim, first off, it is, um, I think, the most efficient thing of uh, points in a possession shot in basketball, whether that whether it was back then or whether it's now. Like um, being able to shoot and being able to shoot like um, – high i'd say over 75 percent of the clip while being able to generate a lot of offense there by yourself that is really impressive and that most certainly is a component of scoring because it's really a matter of would you rather be insanely good and so dominant in one thing or be pretty good but not quite as dominant in a wide range of things and it really depends on like and there's a lot more context than this example but there, there could be a case from um, that like overall dominance 
and special specialization, excuse me, to be valuable. So I'm glad you mentioned that with Charles Barkley's game. Yeah. So now some honorable mentions. Obviously, Tim Duncan, one of the best post scorers ever, a good playmaker for a big, even though he's kind of a center, but whatever. Kevin Garnett, one of the most versatile offensive bigs of all time. Chris Weber, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Powell. I just like to throw a few names in there, just you know, to think about it. I will add, although there is very little film on this particular player, haven't looked into his career too much aside from um the basketball reference sheet. Although like, there are Bob like, Pettit. Yes, Bob Pettit. Yeah. Um, I, I, he was um another player for his era in like the late fifties, early sixties. Was very much ahead of his time as a scorer. I think like he like. He sort of like back then had that perfect build of being like a combo forward where he had the skill set then to like play the three and like stretch the floor a little bit. But he still had that like ability to like get near the paint and like do his damage scoring from there. And looking at like resume and like his career, it's actually really underrated. Everyone knows rightfully so and may rest easy. Bill Russell for winning those 11 rings. But from winning his first one in 1957 to having that phenomenal stretch of eight straight rings, 1958, right in between the two events, um, Bob Pettit's St. Louis Hawks were able to beat the Celtics in six games. So he was still – he was the best player in the championship team. Yeah, I was considering mentioning him too. It kind of slipped my mind just because he's – like when you think old guys, you usually think Russell, Will, Wes, Oscar – Pettit was even slightly before those guys. So, you know, not immediately to the forefront. But, yeah, people that were around at that time will tell you Bob Pettit is just as good as anyone was on the offensive end. Yeah. So, uh, did you have anything bad? Oh, no, I'm all good. Okay, so getting into our last position, this one, I think I also had a pretty solid top three. Um, centers, usually the most defensive-focused position. But, I mean, some incredible offensive talents play this position. you want to go first with your top three? Yeah, I would love to. So I think my number one spot here, this may be a little bit of a controversial take for some of um, these listeners. I'm, I'm not sure what yours is. I'm looking forward to hearing it, but... My first would be Nikola Jokic and what he's done over 2021 and 2022. I just think he's actually pretty similar to Bird the way as far as I'm concerned. Just because I agree with that. There's a lot that he does off the ball. He's very active and tuned in as soon as um one of his teammates has the ball and these are hands, whether it's a screener or there's fighting for post positioning and getting closer to the basket because he is another center that – likes to stand out and likes to stretch the floor before the half court is truly getting set and the play is being run. So really that is another underrated aspect of Jokic's game. But when you look at the scoring, the volume and like being one of the most efficient scorers of all time, I believe out of like all MVP seasons in league history, Jokic isn't too far from um, the top 10. It has um, some seasons with the likes of Kareem, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Steve Nash, and that 1967 Wilt. But Jokic was almost right there himself. And if his um, 
didn't he didn't suffer that wrist injury and his three-point shooting resolutely take a dip he would have cracked it approximately but i think on top of that scoring game Jokic has an argument to be the greatest passer of all time some of the passes he executes ability to thread the needle is like quite similar to magic johnson and the, the likes of um bill walton well before him as a stationary passer so i'm really thrilled by Jokic's overall skill set not to mention offensive rebounding because you mentioned larry bird another this is yet another similarity how great he was at it you definitely see that more looking at the big men position where some of the value that they get to add since they're not going to be on the perimeter creating as much of an offense and taking on that load um some of the value they will add is coming from offensive rebounds and being able to put the ball back in the basket that's just very efficient high quality offense yeah offensive oh keep going my bad for that but i would say after that my number two would be shaquille o'neal i think what he was able to do um right as the lakers three-peat started and i think it's virtually throughout it just as a scorer, how much atta- attraction he drew towards the paint. Teams literally had the hack-a-shack strategy just to stop him from obliterating you with a dunk, with, with some post moves, or whatever Shaq essentially wanted to do. Because I think if you look at dominance in its traditional way, playing like sort of that bully ball view, Shaq has a strong argument for being the most dominant player of all time. But I also do think Shaq, although this might not be perfectly represented by the box, his playmaking was somewhat underrated because I feel like with the attraction he drew, he didn't have sort of passing blindness where he'd be hesitant to pass out of it and be and be like willing to take on doubles. I think the Lakers did a good job of surrounding him with players that were able to capitalize and hit right off Shaq's gravity. But yeah, I would have him second. I think Shaq Jokic. We're waiting to hear yours, but it's another case that's very much up to interpretation and subjectivity. But after that, my clear third would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Unfortunately, ERA is another situation where his total offensive value is going to be limited. But like Shaq, he was a better playmaker, in my opinion, than the box score suggested. Just because we all know and love him for that that incredible move, the skyhook. But he did have a complete, at least for a center, score in Arsenal where there were a lot of low post, shorter mid-range, and near-the-basket spots that he could do damage from. Some of the scoring runs he was able to hit, like in 1977, around that time span, even 1980 when the Lakers drafted Magic and he was injured in that very last game of the finals, he was still a phenomenal scorer, and I think he does have an argument to be a very strong argument actually to be the second best scorer of all time behind Michael Jordan. So I would go with him as my clear third. Yeah. Uh, I felt the same way. Shaq and Jokic top two, Kareem third. But honestly, now that I think about it, I feel like I can make an argument for Kareem at the same level as those other two. I just think he's one of the most unstoppable forces ever to game plan around because you're not going to stop him from scoring and he's no Jokic but he's still a great passer one of the better passing big men we've seen um I think the only thing is his game was I would say probably more limited than the other two which 
it's probably mostly like a product of era more than anything, like you said. But yeah, he's the most sure two points ever. You know, there's no one you'd probably ever trust more than for to just give him the ball and say, put it in the basket. And then as far as Jokic versus Shaq goes, I had Shaq first slightly, but I really think it's one of those things where you can't even really judge it. It's just, to me, they're like just as good as each other. Um, I mean, yeah, there's nothing I can add to what you said. They're just both two of the greatest offensive players to ever touch a basketball, two of the most unique players to ever touch a basketball, too. Uh, people might kind of want to discredit Jokic because he's more modern, he's different, he's not traditional big, but, I mean, the things he does are just unprecedented. He's arguably, like, a top-two playmaker of all time, incredible scorer. I, I do like what you said, that he reminds you of Larry Bird to an extent because, yeah, there are a lot of similarities in the way that they just impact the game on so many levels even without dominating the ball. You can run the offense through them, even with them not getting the majority, or they would get the most touches, but not the majority of, like, time with the ball. You know, they're just very efficient with their plays, very fast with, like, making decisions, all that. So, yeah, I don't know who I would choose with Shaq, Jokic, and Kareem, honestly, but I do feel like they are pretty well ahead of the next best offensive center. For sure. Agree with that. I'm with you that in a vacuum, you could honestly give Kareem an argument where he's right there, if not higher than the other two, just because some of the half-court excellence he was able to bring to both Milwaukee being like truly transcendent at a young age. And in those Lakers days where he was able to like hit his best levels as a scorer. So I'm... I think that's a great point that you brought. Unfortunately, the era does limit him a little bit. And as for Jokic, um, I truly think that if you like, someone were to ask me, like, how could you describe his play style with one word? Unicorn would for sure be how I would look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely nothing like anyone we've ever seen before. And then for honorable mentions, even though I think they're like decently far behind. I had Hakeem Olajuwon, Moses Malone, and Will Chamberlain. I am pretty firm with that list. I like it a lot. I am actually really glad that you um, mentioned Moses Malone in all of this, just because I feel like um, since he's another player that has a very unique game rather than like more of the traditional big, just because yeah. his offensive rebounding and how much he's able to put back that's like by far the greatest we've ever seen across all of the players. Not sure about Wilt or Bill just because unfortunately data doesn't exist, but there is a very tangible reason they called Moses Malone chairman of the boards. And I think the level he was able to hit on like the early 1980s Philadelphia 76ers teams where it could be one of the primary pieces, depending on how you view Julius Irving on like such a 67 win, like, um, number one in SRS and net rating championship level team. I think a lot of his like offensive rebounding is contributing to that. And since he's doing it at such a high volume, I think that really does outweigh 
I mean, the biggest gripe that people do have with Moses Malone with um, his inability to pass. So really excited on him. And I think Hakeem, you can't go without mentioning his tough shot making. Wilt Chamberlain truly um, he seems like um, a superhero comic book character with um, some of the statistics he was able to put up in this throughout the 60s. And it's actually pretty cool that I was looking into it at the top of um, big men in assists per game, the two clearly top dogs are 67, 68 Wilt when he was a 76er and really um, focused on more of that passing component as well as Jokic. Just a fun fact that I'd mention. But one last honorable mention name that I feel like I would add is Joel Embiid. I think mm-hmm. he's one of the gargantuan scorers of this era. I think this past season, one of the three best scorers looking at the regular season and being healthy in the playoffs. Um, I think as as he continues to like improve his processing and decision-making, I think he's going to be on this list as well. Yeah, I was going back and forth on whether or not to include him. I decided I'd want to just see more of how, like you said, he improves his decisions and playmaking, et cetera, in the playoffs. But he definitely very well could be on this list. Going back to Moses Malone for a second, he's just one of my favorite players ever, man, because he just – like, if you look at his skill set, it's really not very impressive. He posted up a lot, but he wasn't great at it. He kind of had, like, a short jump shot, but nothing special. He couldn't really handle the ball. Many would consider him the worst passer of any superstar ever. But he was just so big – and not even that tall, just like really big. And honestly, maybe one of the best players ever at using his body and knowing where to be and just finding the ball in good situations that it just made him really one of one of the all-time scorers. And a lot of that is because of his, uh, his offensive rebounding, like you said, which I think is honestly maybe the most underrated part of basketball period. Because, like, just getting more possessions for your team. Because a missed shot is essentially a turnover, right? And if you can turn a turnover into two points, that's just, like, one of the most valuable things I think anyone can do on a team. So, yeah, Moses Malone, truly one of the most unique players of all time one of the biggest gaps in terms of the impact he had versus just his skill set in the vacuum. So, yeah, I love giving him love because, you know, I think a lot of people don't really understand how unique he was and how good he was. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. One fun twist I will, like, add to this, and I'm not sure quite if um, you could describe this fundamentally as reflexes. Moses did have, like, some similar aspect of cat-like reflexes, the way he could just simply get the ball off a miss and put it back. Yeah. Yeah, he really turned it into an art form. Apparently, there are stories that he just, he studied geometry, physics, just to perfect the art of tracking the ball and getting it in the right place to be able to put it back, which is really just amazing to me. I love that. So, yeah. Is there anything else you have to add? Yeah, I think that is it if we're looking across the table and across all the positions. Um, definitely feel like this was a 
a great conversation. Just able to poke each other's brains for a little bit, see where we stand on things. There was a pretty, pretty strong like overlap and correlation between how we like thought about this and the players we went to have. So it's a very enjoyable exercise, and it was um, a great experience to be on here. Yeah, I think the only, the only change we had was I had Harden where you had Jerry West, but that was more of an error thing than a difference of opinions, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. And it is subjective. And that's why like ranges, um, hearing from others and new sorts of interpretation are very important when like breaking down the game and looking at it further. Yeah. So one last time, just to wrap it up, this is a list we had point guards, Magic Johnson, in no order. Point guards, Magic Johnson, Stephen Curry, Steve Nash, Shooting guards, we both had Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant at the top two. Like I just said, you had West, I had Harden, but I can go either way on that. Small forwards, we both had LeBron James, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant. Power forwards, we both had Charles Barkley, Dirk Nowitzki, Karl Malone. And centers, we both had Shaquille O'Neal, Nikola Jokic, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So... I guess it's time to wrap it up. Is there anything else you had to say? Yeah, I think I am personally set regarding basketball. Taking this back to the very beginning, though, definitely be on the lookout for the Dispatches Discord and all relevant PR. Be sure to drop a follow on our Twitter account. It's a great community. We definitely plan to be go. We definitely plan to be growing and creating um, a sort of network and common group of people who just want to talk sports and have fun while doing so. Yeah, definitely be on the lookout for the dispatch. Follow us because not going to brag, but we have some of the best underground content creators, specifically for basketball, but other sports too, including yourself, Rohan. So listeners, if you want to be on the train early, you can tell people later on, I knew this. (laughs) I knew this company when they were first starting, but yeah, check out the discord. The Dispatch has another special project coming, I want to say soon. We don't have a set release date, but we're looking to bring on two other people to have their own content that I think you guys will really love to listen to. So be on the lookout for that. And yeah, Rohan, let them know where they can follow you. Absolutely, man. But it's been a pleasure as always. Appreciate you having me on. If that's everything good in your end, take care, man. Uh, Wait, one second. Let the viewers know where they can follow you on Twitter. I want you to get that plug. That's great. Um, If you if you're really interested in um, looking at some of my content, pretty much have a common train of thought as discussed here across some of the posts that I make. Love talking about basketball, but tweet about some other sports at times as well. It's Rohan underscore K one zero one. Thanks for the catch, Kia. Yeah, of course. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at TruthTellerNBA, Instagram, NBA TruthTeller. Um, yeah, this was a great pod. Thank you so much for coming on, Rohan. Absolutely, man. Well, pleasure being on. Yeah, pleasure to have you. See you.